Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I'd like to speak to you in this episode about the fifth judge, Gideon, who was called by God to deliver his people during a period of Midianite oppression. After the judgeship of Deborah, the children of Israel had enjoyed a 40-year period of rest and prosperity. But, as is so often the case, it seems as though prosperity caused them to drift away from God. So in Judges 6 and verse 1 we read, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. Skipping down to verse 6 we find, So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Later in chapter 6, God sent an angel to call Gideon to deliver his people. The angel came while Gideon was threshing wheat by a wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. When the angel informed Gideon that God was sending him to rescue the Israelites from under the thumb of the oppressors, he responded in verse 15 with the following words, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. With a little further persuasion, Gideon accepted the call. My friends, any time God calls a soul to be saved, and he does that calling through the gospel today, according to Second Thessalonians 2.14, he also calls on that person to change his or her ways. God never gives salvation to anyone who refuses to repent, to clean up his or her life, so to speak. That is to say that God calls us to a righteous lifestyle, indeed to righteousness itself, that stands out in contrast to the world around us. When God called Gideon to lead Israel to freedom, as we briefly noticed Gideon's initial response was one of doubt. He just couldn't believe that the God of Abraham and the God of Moses would choose him to be a leader. When Gideon received a sign from God, which was the consuming of the flesh of a goat he had offered, as well as some cakes that he had made with fire from rocks. His faith was somewhat strengthened, and God was ready to use him. But first, the new leader had to accept a change in his lifestyle. Gideon would learn the purpose of purity. I want us to read now verses 25 through 35 of Judges 6. The passage says, Now on the same night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and a second bull seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of this stronghold in an orderly manner, and take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah which you shall cut down. 
Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down, and the Asherah which was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar which had been built. They said to one another, Who did this thing? And when they searched about and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die. For he has torn down the altar of Baal, and indeed he has cut down the Asherah which was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you deliver him? Whoever will plead for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because someone has torn down his altar. Therefore on that day he named him Jerubbabel, that is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he had torn down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the sons of the east assembled themselves, and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and the Asperites were called together to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, and they also were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. I want us to notice a few very helpful lessons from this account. First, God's holiness absolutely insists on loyalty. One amazing aspect of the story of Gideon is the fact that he and his family still worshipped idols. The idol to Baal and the Ashtaroth pool were maintained by Gideon's father, apparently for the entire community to use. Not only did they worship Baal, they encouraged others to do the same. So the first thing that God demanded of this new leader is undivided loyalty. No longer can Gideon worship other gods and attempt to follow the true God, the God of Israel, at the same time. God demands, before Gideon does anything else, that this man tear down his idols and pledge total allegiance to God. God truly wants to use all of us, just as he used Gideon. But he demands the same undivided loyalty that he asked of Gideon. Any object, any person, any desire that stands in our way of absolute loyalty and allegiance to God must be torn down, so to speak. We cannot be double-minded. To serve God, we must first tear down our idols, whatever they are. The truth is God will not settle for second place, and he won't share first place with anything or anyone. The second major point that we might note from this account is that God's holiness incites opposition. When the townspeople discovered that their idols had been torn down, they were upset. Life had been hard since the Midianites invaded. Baal was the god of fertility, which meant calves and lambs and good harvest. To offend Baal would be to make matters even worse, at least in the minds of those given over to idolatry. Now someone tore down their idol. They were not happy that Gideon had done this. Indeed, their anger was such that they wanted to kill him. There is an important principle to be derived from this. When we tear down the idols in our lives and give ourselves completely to God, 
there are some folks who will not be happy. Some will actually oppose and seek to destroy. He calls to mind a statement found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3-5, through 5, when he wrote, For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Anytime we, as followers of the Lord Jesus, take a stand on a moral issue of our day, there are those who are going to be angry. There are those who are going to oppose us, call us narrow-minded, ignorant, and far worse than that. There are now have all, there are now have always been and always will be forces trying to keep us from promoting God's holiness. My friends, it's just the way that it is. We shouldn't even be surprised if this opposition comes from some of those closest to us, even members of our own family and those who had been dear friends. Another point to note from this account that we read in the beginning of this episode today is that God's holiness inspires. Once Gideon tore down the idols, then God fully gave this man his power through his spirit. In verse 34 it said, So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now he could be a great leader. God's power is what will make this man a success in his service to God, although later in his life he will make some bad decisions. It is important to recognize that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon after he had torn down the idols. Too many want God's blessings without wanting to change anything in their lives. Too many want to live selfishly and then wonder why it doesn't seem that God's power is helping. Like Gideon, we need to tear down some idols if there is anything standing between us and God. Then, like Gideon, we can take a stand for God. Let's consider another point. Taking a stand can take time. When God told Gideon to tear down the idols, did you notice that Gideon decided to wait until dark? He figured that there would be opposition and he was afraid of the reaction of the community. He was right, there was opposition. But even so, he should not have waited. The thing we learn from this is to tear down idols can take time. Even a great servant of God like Gideon turned out to be waited for the dark before taking action. So when someone accepts the call of the gospel, we can't be surprised if they have to take a little time to tear down the idols they have been serving. Gideon is willing to follow God, but he has to grow to the point that he can act openly and without fear. This is still true today, especially for a new believer, a babe in Christ. Too often we expect new Christians to be ready immediately to do all that God wants and to know all that God wants. The Bible talks about growing in different levels of spiritual maturity. We probably all know some of the passages, like 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Over in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 through 14 we find, 
For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. This passage clearly indicates that coming to spiritual maturity is a process. The word that is translated in verse 14 as the mature is the very same word that is translated as perfect in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 10. The word is teleos, and it means the end of a process or development. So reaching spiritual maturity takes time. I believe that there is another point that we can see from the account of Gideon tearing down the idols, and that is that taking a stand calls on others. It has been interesting to me that when we stand up for God's purity, we might be surprised to find that there are others who will stand with us. Gideon took ten servants to do the actual work of tearing down the idols, so he began by getting others involved. The next day his father, who it appears was responsible for maintaining those idols, stands up for Gideon. A man who was afraid of the consequences of his actions discovers that he is not alone, that others will stand up with him. This is such good news. When we take a stand for God, some will oppose. There's no question of that. When we are wishy-washy and unwilling to take a stand, we might not have much opposition, but we won't have much support either, not from those who matter. However, when we are willing to take a stand for God, for his truth and for his ways, we might just be amazed at the people who will defend us and stand up with us. There's something else that I find really uplifting from this account. Taking a stand can create solidarity. By the end of the epistle, all of the northern tribes of Israel have come out to do battle against the leadership of Gideon. The people have been intimidated by the enemy, and they did not get along so very well either. Now they come out as a unified people to take on the enemy that had frightened them so badly for so long. When we take a stand for God, unity often follows. While the world, and even some in the church, will tell us that we will be divisive by taking a stand, the opposite is actually true. Don't misunderstand me. In a congregation of the Lord's people, when a difficult stand for God and His truth must be taken, it is likely that there will be some disgruntled who may even leave, but most will join together and stand. Another lesson is that we have to be willing to take the risks. We have to be willing to do what God wants in the way that he wants it done. There is a risk involved there because doing that will not make us popular, as we've already seen. It will probably incite a certain degree of opposition. but. Until we are willing to take a stand for God's holiness, we will never fully be what God wants us to be and what we can be in his service. It's not always easy to obey God in every situation. It's not always easy to tear down the idols that everyone around us is used to. It might even take us a while to tear them down. But we must be willing to take the risk. We cannot let the fact that some of the commands of God may be hard to obey stop us. We just have to take the risks. We just have to obey.
And you know what? The first risk any of us take for God is coming to him through his son, the Lord Jesus. God is calling you today. How are you going to respond? Thanks for listening.